All right, well, hello. It is Tuesday, and welcome back to Table Talk on really a unusual edition. Hey, guys, welcome to the table. Is that because I'm here? <laughs> it's not only because Alan <laughs> Bentley's here with us. Welcome, Alan, to Thank the table. Uh, it's good to have you here. Andrew, good to have you here at the table. But uh, as you might know, we're live today. Uh, early in the pandemic, we were live every week, but since we went to more of a recorded version. So uh, we're grateful to have this opportunity, and uh, we hope if you're joining us now uh, while it's live or at any point that uh, you would just sit down, open up Luke chapter 15. Uh, we've been going through in our certainty series, part eight of part three uh, on this journey to Jerusalem. And we just invite you to join us at the table. Thank you for that. And we'd like to just have this time of conversation and discussion on uh, how we can learn it, love it, and live it out. How's that sound? Sounds great. Sounds great. As I've mentioned again, Alan Bentley, welcome to the table. Thank you. Um, I want to mention uh, one of the reasons that our minds went straight to you for as a guest this week uh, was your involvement with um, a, a ministry or a teaching, a, a series of teaching this summer that you did on how to share your faith. Uh, that was in August? Yes. Uh, four weeks? Yes. Now tell me, for that group that went through that, you've got something planned coming yes, up, right? Yes, actually, yes, yes, we do. Uh, we have a follow-up of two uh, sessions in January, the 16th okay. and the 23rd. Okay. And so we're looking forward to getting that group back together and kind of have another building block on how to share your faith and do some more role playing, yeah. which people found very, very, very helpful. Yeah. And just to build that muscle memory and that comfortableness of learning how to transition from an ordinary conversation to something more meaningful and more spiritual. Man, that's great. Um, and, and we do that for our desire to seek that which is lost and to share their way to, to finding the kingdom. So thank you for that. And that's something you're going to, you plan on continuing. Yes, that's the plan. Uh, look for that next August as well. Yes. Yeah, thanks, Alan. Thanks for joining us. Andrew, obviously you taught us this lesson, this message Sunday, uh, Lost and Found. Uh, uh, well, I'd say, that, you know, Jesus' message, and I just, I tried to unpack it a little just, bit. We just try to stay out of the way, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, thank you for unpacking it. And so why don't we, um, let's just dig right in. And, and what we've tried to do is just break up the passage into some manageable chunks and then just have a conversation about it. Alan, would you start off by reading chapter 15? Yeah. And um, it's going to be the, actually in total, it's going to be verses 1 through 7. But stop after those first two verses. Will do. Yeah. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, him being Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So two points there, and I think this came out in the message Sunday, Andrew, is a lot of times that's sort of the intro. We'd skip right ahead to that too. Uh, so Jesus told a parable. That's got to be the most exciting. But you, you made a couple of references here that were important. Um, tax collectors and sinners were sort of you know, uh, kind of um, identified here purposely mm -hmm. by Luke. Why? What did that indicate? Why, why did we need to know who was drawing near to him? Or what I, can we know from that? Yeah, well, um, it, it's not the first time Luke has paired the, the, that expression yeah. together, the yeah. tax collectors and the sinners, but we know these were sort of the outcasts of the day. Okay. The, the tax collectors were definitely looked down upon by their countrymen because essentially they, they entered into a deal with the Roman occupiers in order to be able to collect that revenue. And then once they did, I mean, they, they collected more than they needed to in order to enrich themselves. Yeah. So here's a segment of the population that's certainly despised. Right. And then you've got sinners, which as best as I can tell is just sort of a, a it's a broad brush. Yeah. It's, um, it's a wide label. And I think just generally it's people that were living a, 
an immoral lifestyle. Not everybody sins, right? But these were sins that the community knew about. Maybe okay. swindlers, prostitutes, um, maybe occupations that did, were, would have been against the, the Mosaic law. Okay. And so tax collectors, um, we, we, there's this assumption as well that not only traitors uh, to their people, but because of that probably were not associated with anything religious either. And so probably yeah. ungodly. Probably yeah. within centers. People are thinking these, they, don't, they don't have any morals, right? Yeah. Okay. They don't have any scribbles. Well, and then you, and then it's made a, a big point of, you know, the Pharisees had pointed out they grumbled the fact that he received these people and he eats with them. Um, what do you think of when you, when you when you eat with someone? I mean, what is this implying here, Alan? Do you think about the whole idea of the the intimacy of Sharing a meal, maybe? Or? Yeah, and I think, too, is what Andrew was pointing out. These people were the outcasts, Yeah. right? And then you've kind of got two groups in this little story. You've got the outcasts, and you've got the Pharisees and the scribes. These people never go to the temple, wouldn't, you know, would never go in yeah, there yeah. because they've been disqualified. And then you've got the Pharisees who are looking down on them as outcasts, and they don't have, any, don't have anything to do with them. And then Jesus is eating with them, showing them hospitality, and this guy's supposed to be a prophet. You know, what's his deal? Yeah, so it's an association that's, that's, more, um, that's deeper or more significant than he teaches them or he talks to them, right? He, he shares a meal with them, mm -hmm. which in that day was, um, there wasn't yeah. much more you could do with yeah. anyone outside your family, more intimate, I guess, than sharing a meal. I love Alan's point right there. It's not like, it's like, well, as soon as they come to the synagogue, they, they can hear this and they can get right with God. He wasn't waiting yeah. for that, it seems like. Yeah. It was like, okay. He had no problem going to them. Yeah. And so they grumbled about it, not because they were jealous. The Pharisees weren't saying, well, I wish he'd invite us for a meal. He, he was at, they were actually making a point like, how dare he? Yeah. You know, what's he thinking having this association? Mm -hmm. Okay. So Jesus knows this. That's our scene, our scene or the setting. Yeah. And Alan, continue with this parable here that sure. he tells them. So Jesus said, so Jesus told them this parable. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance." Yeah, you know, that's, that's a parable I think maybe, maybe some of us who've been around church more have, have heard before. It's, it's sort of well-known. We may not have all have heard this or know this, this parable, but uh, was there anything for either of you that you sort of for the first time, if, if you're familiar with it before, for the first time, you know, maybe it was emphasized more this time as you, as you looked at it or studied it or uh, kind of that aha, and, you know, goodness, I've never thought about that before. I think for me, it even came out in the message. So I'm, I manuscript a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. And occasionally I'll deviate from that. And one of the, one of the just the times I deviated was in the middle of the message where I was thinking about the shepherd and how he deals tenderly uh -huh. with the sheep when he finds it. And um, just, isn't, I mean, he's, he's got reason to be mad at the sheep. I mean, it, it, you know... <laughs> Straight the dumb yeah, sheep just yeah. wandered off on its own. Yeah. It knows better. I mean, like... Gets what it deserves. Or, you know, yeah. he's kind of... And here he's, yeah. like, just putting it on. It's like, maybe it's too weak to walk at this point. Yeah. Maybe it fell. Or it just puts it on his shoulders and says, hey, I'm taking you back. And just... Yeah. That... Um, 
That jumped huh. out at me. That'd be, that'd be for the, me, the, the, the kind of the thought I hadn't had previously. Yeah. Alan, anything? Uh, I think just a couple things stood out to me yeah. is that he looked until he found it. Yeah, that's me too. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. like, I'll just go out and give a cursory glance and then I'm going to yeah. get some sleep. <laughs> where, yeah. where, where, where are you at? Sheep, sheep. But the other thing is that, and this is a, really applies to us too, is that the sheep, there's, the sheep's not actively seeking to be found by the shepherd. Yeah. The sheep yeah. is just lost. And the shepherd is basically rescuing the sheep because yeah. the sheep is completely helpless mm-hmm. to rescue itself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I think especially in this one, so I thought the same thing, Alan, sort of that until he finds it uh, or until he found it really resonated with me. And so it made me think, wow, what have I lost that I searched for until I found it? What did I, you know, there are things I've lost that I've just sort of gave up on. Yep. <laughs> um, there are things I gave cursory looks to, right? Mm-hmm. But there are certain things, just like you, I had my lost daughter moment, you know, as a child in a Best Buy. Uh, although <laughs> I was Does Christy know about I, it? She, she <laughs> does. Right now? She does. <laughs> she does know that because uh, uh, Lauren, who was four or five at the age, um, we actually got an announcement from the uh, store manager over the intercom. So uh, if you know, Lauren's daddy's lost, uh, she would like to find him. And so, but when I realized that Lauren's daddy was lost, um, wow, you know, I, that I would never stop. I would never stop looking. Yeah. And I imagine the anxiety, the, 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 the stress, the, uh, just the, just mm-hmm. continue, right. You go without eating, you yeah. go without sleeping. And that's really what this is, this painting a picture mm-hmm. of on our urgency for searching and seeking yeah. souls that are lost. The more valuable something is, the harder you yeah. look for it. Until you find it. Yeah. So I, I really, I really struck out of me sort of as that first parable that, that set that up. And at the same time, there was this risk that you pointed out, Andrew, that, you know, the 99 are still over here. So what, what is the application for us today that says, all right, we've got 99, um, is it that we just, well, let's not worry about them and we go for the one? Or, um, you know, there was something you, you mentioned about that. And I'm, I'm trying to recall, too, that, you know, he, he went, um, there, there was a balance of risk there, right? I mean, he, he had to say, look, the 99, I've got to make sure they're still okay, which to me seemed to be kind of like in a, uh, whether it's lay leadership or church leadership, to say, hey, are, is the flock okay? How do I nurture, train, teach, you know, uh, yeah. and yet still put all this effort into finding what's lost. I don't know if there's any thoughts on that or if that makes no, sense. No, I think you did a good job. Okay. Yeah. And, and that's the balance, right? I mean, um, sometimes we have to, as, as members of a local body of the flock, um, and I hope this comes across right. We are live, so we're not editing this. Um, we have to realize it's not about us. When it comes mm-hmm. to the priority of evangelism or uh, uh, equipping and, and discipling into even new followers. Yeah. That's a priority. Programs, budgets. I mean, yeah. I think uh, a, a church that isn't applying this parable, the majority of their money is going to be spent internal and focused on, you know, how do we keep ourselves happy? How do we take care of our programs? And a church that's yeah. trying to wrestle with this, the congregation, the leadership's going to be struggling with what, what are we sending yeah. outside our walls? How are, this is going to potentially do nothing for us. Yeah. But we're doing it because it's what the Savior loves and yeah. it's what he would want us to do. Well, that's the heart of your class, yes. too. And, and I, would, I would assume, I'm speaking for David, but I know his heart. That's why he helps partner with you in that class. He sees the urgency in that and the importance. Yes, I mean, um, it's, 
it's it's the ultimate urgency that we have. Yeah. If if we are true mm-hmm. followers of Christ. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I and I think of the mission of River Oaks too, to to build up followers of Jesus who are sent out, out. to reach, mm-hmm. not just to build. Yeah. Easy to say, build up followers of Jesus. Period. But we have to conclude mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Wow. So the lost sheep parable. Well, let's continue with the second parable. Um, Andrew, would you mind reading verses 8 through 10 here? The coin. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Man, this is so rich and so short. I know, isn't it? It's just like three <laughs> verses. And, and the first thing that comes to mind is that for us to get a perspective of that lost coin, um, the value of it. Because on one hand, we think, well, maybe it's just a collectible, like no big deal, right? Yeah. We, we lose little coins or we lose certain trinkets, or yeah. things like that, but that's not what's going on. I mean, I've, I've, I, I feel like, you know, five bucks I've gone after pretty hard. And yeah. it, it's, a, it's a tenth of this woman's net assets, if you yeah, will, yeah. for savings account. Yeah. Yeah, so at, what's that translation then to value do you guys pick up? What, what is Jesus attempting to say the value? For, and then, yeah, applied, I guess. What do we see there? Any thoughts, Alan, on that? Well, I mean, again, it's something that's, that's valuable to this person, yeah, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so as this coin was valuable to this lady, these coins were valuable to this lady, so are we valuable to God, yeah. even inf- infinitely, infinitely more so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If it's something from the dollar store, yeah. you're not lighting a lamp and you're not sweeping the floor. You're moving yeah. on. And so I think that's the point. And, you know, I think we, we are supposed to see ourselves as the coin in this parable. Mm-hmm. And the greatness of that value, I think, is specific, too. Just, I mean, uh, it could have just said, again, or, the, or what woman, woman if she loses a coin. But the implication is she only has 10 to begin with. So 10% assumed of her entire wealth, she just lost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that, again, puts us in a perspective of, oh, that's a deeper sense of loss. Yeah. Which, again, is our sense of loss toward those who mm-hmm. are lost. Um, also, uh, a word here about diligence intentionality mm-hmm. what does that look like um how, how are we diligent is there anything in your class alan when you when you guys talk about sharing your faith that speaks to intentionality or purpose or transitioning into the conversation yes yes and we also we also tell people is that it's god's job to save yeah. you know it's you're not the message all you're doing is just conveying the message yes. and God, through the Holy Spirit, has prepared that person beforehand to hear what God has laid on your heart. So you're not the first person sharing the gospel with this person or preparing them. The Holy Spirit's already gone before you. That's right. And so, uh, and don't give up. Yeah. You know, one of the best, when we tell people the most powerful weapon in evangelism that you can have is praying for that person. Mm. That's seeking with diligence. Right there, there, there has to be. Uh, I guess this would tell us that in evangelism, sharing our faith, um, we can't just say, ah, "I'm not going to worry about trying to be equipped in it," or "I don't have to worry about what scripture tells it or the hows." Or it'll just happen. The Lord can certainly make mm-hmm. it just happen, but 
I think the implication here is that we, we have to be intentional about it. We have to mm-hmm. be diligent. Um, we should want to be equipped in it. Yeah. We should want to be prepared. Yeah. Right? So I, I felt like I was preaching to myself at one point in the message mm. because, I mean, I, I work at a church. And most of my daily interactions are with people who go to church here. And I love that. I have no, those, that's, that's my friendships. And so I'm the guy that's just kind of slipped into the, the Christian cocoon, not intentionally, but it's just, it's my, you look at my phone, you know, my contacts and my text messages, all these people. And so um, just thinking about the intentionality that the, the shepherd had and this woman had was really yeah. con- convicting for me. And I, I do think when I think back to the times where I was more zealous for sharing my faith, that, that somehow when you pray about that person, that it has a way of making you intentional. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how God does that, but when you're praying about it and asking for it, you, you, maybe, maybe I see the doors open more easily. I don't know. Maybe you can describe it, Alan, but I just, I find that there's a corollary, right? Yes. And I don't know how it works, <laughs> but there, there are times if you're praying for a person who had this happen is that, and you're thinking, how can I bring this up? Cause I care about this person. How can I bring this up? And it's not going to be awkward or mm. off putting or sound that it's like it's canned or rehearsed. And then all of a sudden this person will ask a question or Mm. relay something that's like, what do you think? And it's just like, <laughs> you know, all right, yeah. Bentley, you've, you've been praying for this. I've opened that door. Yeah. You walk through yeah. it now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, that's, that's a great word. And, you know, I think that speaks to Alan, because you've gone through journey. You're, you're yes. a member of a journey group too. And journey speaks about that intentionality of, of building relationships. And the fact that, uh, you know, no one wants to be a target. Right? No one wants to feel like a project. No right. one wants to feel like a project. No one wants to, you know, be walked around saying, well, I really don't care about you, but I'm supposed to share my faith with you. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so it's relationship credibility that we build. And, and for both of these parables, uh, the sheep was a personal relationship. The coin was personal. And so as we build those relationships, not as projects or targets, but mm-hmm. as, um, as, as having the great um, you know, the, the, the blessing, the responsibility, the gift to be in the relationship that God has given us with these individuals. Um, yeah, then we kind of are intentional. What, how, what, what have we been equipped with that says, how do you enter into, um, you know, what do you think about spiritual things? Or have you had, a, a, you know, some experience with uh, a house of faith or, uh, and, and start building on that. But um, that's, yeah, that's, that's, a great, that's a great word about diligence. Um, and I think we probably do need to hear that more. We do. Uh, or just reminded of it's not that's nothing we need taught so right. much as just encouraged in it yeah. inspired in it there are so many yeah. people who feel like they don't matter to anybody yeah and we need to remind them that they matter to God they yeah. they were created by God to bear his image just like us yeah mm-hmm. yeah and they need to be reminded us that they are invaluable to God that's right that's right and um we're, um, of course, we, in this, we would know, and this is a t- for a different table talk, you know, we're not intimately yoked, but yet we are in this world, and uh, we are called into two mm-hmm. relationships that build on that. So, uh, great, great word. The last thing of this parable is another aha for me, because it was in both parables, and really all three of the lost parables, that sometimes we need to be reminded, too, is we need to rejoice. Yeah. I don't know if we just take it for granted or we don't care or 
uh, may, I, I can't imagine that as we see so many people come to Jesus every week that it just becomes monotonous. I, I don't know what it is, but it feels like maybe sometimes we, we as a, a global church, we as a local body, we as individual believers have lost that sense of really wanting to celebrate when someone says, I was lost and now I'm found. Yeah. And it's emphasized here clearly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, how do we do that? I mean, how, what does that look like? I well, you wonder what it would be like if, like, you know, you could live stream in heaven the next time there's a baptism oh. going on in, in the testimony vision. If we could just, I think if we could yeah. see that one time, like, yeah. oh, wow. Like, it would totally change things for us. Yeah. So well, we get this word picture here, but we don't actually get to see yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, just think about how when you have a birth into your family, how you rejoice over this mm. new family member, mm-hmm. okay? Well, this is a new family member in God's family. And we need to we we need to have that joy too. Yeah, joy yeah. is a good word there. I, th- I think yeah. that is having that joy, um, giving God honor and praise, um, even if it's a close relationship we've been part of or, or a seed of. Mm-hmm. Um, again, being reminded wasn't us. Uh, that's because that's always a good word. If we're rejected, uh, it's yep. you, God. Sometimes though, when it's received. We like to take the, yeah, that's right. that's <laughs> the credit. Yeah, that's me. So, yeah, I did that's that. right. Mm-hmm. We, we need to remember, regardless of the decision, we were just used as an instrument, and we want to rejoice in that because of what God has done. Mm-hmm. A great word. Well, uh, we won't get into it, uh, Andrew, but you had touched on it a bit, but there is a third parable here. Yeah. Uh, prodigal son, again, lostness. Boy, I mean, we, we had one week for chapter 15, <laughs> and it was like, okay, I could, I could maybe do all of the third parable, Maybe, um, or we could do the first two, and there was just such similarities. Yeah. But the third parable is—it's the most well-known one, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is why I said, well, maybe we'll just we'll look at the two patches that yeah. aren't as well-known. Yeah. But yes, the there, there's more layers. Yeah. To this, because he introduces the elder brother. Yeah. And and that's I think where he really begins to get to the Pharisees. He's he's in. Yeah. That's where he's talking to them. So. We're the lost coin, we're the lost sheep, but he's saying, guess who you are in this one? Yeah. Which brother do you want to be? Yeah, yeah, and you know, sometimes I think we can we can feel a lot like the older brother too. Right? Like when the yeah. like the older brother who when the new baby's born in the family. Yeah. Right? Somebody's running on my parade. Right yeah. Now. Someone's getting a whole <laughs> lot more attention than me now. Yeah. And even as again, whether that's uh, you know, believers of many years or members or whatever, sometimes it's uh mm-hmm. hey wait, that light's not as bright mm-hmm. on me anymore. Uh, so we need to hear that word too mm-hmm. and, and get back to celebrating and rejoicing. I once heard a, uh, a, a three-week sermon series, very impactful on the prodigal son parable in which each week uh, the teacher, the, uh, the, the pastor, uh, this was in a church in Kentucky, he, he gave the message through the eyes and the heart of, of each, each of three the characters. characters. The father, the, yes. the, the younger son, and the older yeah. son. Yeah, highly impactful. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a real honest assessment, um, you know, of, of what was going on there. And so, again, please uh, take a look at that last parable and, and look at all those those layers as you can. Uh, well, the final sprint, and just I would ask you both, why would you encourage someone to read chapter 15? Why would you encourage someone to read these lost and found parables? Alan? Uh, well, for one thing, it reinforces how important we are to God. Mm-hmm. Okay. And yeah. about who is the one doing the seeking? Yeah. Okay, it's, it's God, and he looks until he finds, yeah. right? And I do like the, the parable about the, uh, the prodigal son because the father is depicted as, in my mind, in the scripture, every day 
He's looking for his son yeah. who's gone away, who's basically said, I don't want anything to do with you. Mm. I wish you were dead. Give me my money. I wish you were dead, yeah. And the father has forgiven him of that and is yeah. longing for him to come back so he could be restored into the family. Yeah, yeah. Great word. Thank you, Alan. Mm-hmm. Appreciate it. Andrew, final thoughts? Why, why does someone read this, this chapter? Well, I think it's more or less the same thing Alan said. But, you know, if you had to pick one verse from Luke that said that this summarizes the gospel, it's, it's where Jesus says in Luke 19 that he came to seek and to save the lost. Mm-hmm. But I really feel like chapter 15 is the heart of the yes. gospel mm-hmm. because yeah. this is how we see it played out. And a, a statement's nice if you need some concise, you know, soundbite, but it's stories that really touch the heart. And I think yeah. uh, th- this is... This is the beautiful picture of seeking and saving played out. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. I I think for me, it's that, it's to to help evaluate our our commitment to the searching and finding mm-hmm. uh, of of what we're called to do. Is why I would encourage someone to read that. Yeah. But, Hey, great, great word, great conversation. Again, thanks for joining us live. Alan, thanks for coming to the table. We look forward to more about the class on how to share your faith. Pastor Andrew, thanks again for the message Sunday and coming to the table. And we look forward to joining you next Tuesday where we're going to have a word on money management. Not rice and beans with Dave Ramsey, but the truth with Dave Beatty. We'll see you then. Blessings, friends.